This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. We're internet sensations, guys. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on WSJS. You are on a Monday drive. It is WSJS, News Talk Sports for the Triad, where it is sunny. It is 80 degrees in the Triad. It's the final days of October. Carolina Panthers are fresh off their first win of the season. And don't look now. College basketball tips off one week from tonight. But no, Dave Doran, we are not looking forward to basketball season. More on that in a bit. Now that the Carolina Panthers have won a game, everybody can just take a breath. Breathe in. Breathe out. How's that feel? Because here's what yesterday meant and what it showed us, the win against the Houston Texans. Bryce Young is every bit as good as C.J. Stroud, and he could be better. Bryce outplayed C.J. You want to go by stats? Bryce had more passing yards, more completions, a touchdown pass. Bryce played better than C.J. while facing more pressure. C.J. got some dudes back on his offensive line. Bryce, he was sacked six times in this game. Bryce had receivers drop more passes than C.J. Stroud's receivers, unfortunately, did not. Carolina got a better game from their quarterback than Houston did. That delay of game that C.J. had towards the end of the game that could have netted them a field goal, forcing Carolina to score a touchdown rather than set up the chip shot for Eddie Pinheiro, that was costly. Part of me wondered while I was sitting there watching in the stands, or part of me in the press box, was... How people would react if Bryce Young had three balls batted down at the line of scrimmage the way that CJ did. If Bryce Young had a delay of game at the plus 36-yard line that took you out of field goal range, or at the plus 40 setting up a third down play. People would have crucified him. Now, that's not happening with CJ Stroud today because of the equity he's built through the first couple months of the season, but Bryce Young... Plain and simple, was better than C.J. Stroud was. And as an added bonus, Drake May lost another game. Caleb Williams labored against Cal to snap a two-game losing streak. Those guys aren't exactly looking like world beaters, which is a good thing for Carolina because even if you do have a top-five pick, Next year that you're given to the Chicago Bears, you're feeling pretty good about your guy versus the guys that they could potentially take and the one that you could have taken that you just beat head-to-head yesterday. So Bryce Young, every bit as good as C.J. Stroud is. Frank Reich, he's not going to be fired this year. That's what yesterday meant. This is not Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. This is not Nate Hackett in Denver a year ago. If things do get worse, Scott Fitterer, He will probably end up being the fall guy. Not Frank Reich, not this staff. Yesterday was a very well-managed game. Carolina, who going into the Detroit game a few weeks ago, or pardon me, going into the Dolphins game, the game prior to the bye, they were the most penalized team in the NFL. They were averaging about eight penalties a game. Nobody was really even close in terms of how undisciplined Carolina was. That's on coaching. Carolina only had... Two penalties against the Miami Dolphins. And they only had three penalties yesterday. Good clock management with use of timeouts, having timeouts at the end. 
into the first half to give yourself another possession. You had Thomas Brown calling plays for the first time. I don't remember one time where Bryce Young is clapping his hands furiously trying to get the snap off in time. That's progress. That's a good thing. And it was really cool seeing this video that the Panthers put out. Frank Wright getting emotional when giving Thomas Brown a game ball after winning his first game as a play caller. And this, this one mean, hey, they all mean a lot. This one means a lot to me. Woo! Woo! We knew he was going to be, be a beast when he got here. And when the game was on the line, he called the perfect series, right? Thomas Brown. That's cool. Frank Reich, he's emotional. He likes Woo! this guy. Woo! That's Frank. That's what that is. Woo! <laughs> uh, here's another thing. I'm sure this had Frank Reich reacting that way. Quietly, the defense was functional. That's That should have him reacting that way. Going into the bye, Carolina allowed 40 points in consecutive games in the losses against Detroit and Miami. This year, they haven't allowed fewer than 20 points in a game. Yesterday, they held the Texans to 13 and to under 230 yards of offense. That's a huge plus. WD, how did it sound? Most Panther fans reacting to the defense only holding the Texans to 13 points. Something like that. Everybody can take a breath now. That's, or you could react that way. You could do that too. (laughs) On Twitter slash X at WSJS Radio. That's where we're streaming video. In addition to YouTube and Twitch, WD's telling me we now have, as the executive director, producer of this show, a TikTok Page, I'm not on TikTok. We do. Better Interesting. Get, we're about to get about it up in here. Man, vibes are good they in the are. building right now because of the Panthers. What could ruin those vibes? I got an idea. Let's get to uh, the North Carolina football team. That'll do it. Almost as shocking as North Carolina's loss to Georgia Tech was is how many Tar Heel fans I've seen since then telling me how bad of a coach Mac Brown is. Completely turning on Mac Brown. It is staggering how many emails, tweets, messages that I've received. People say, you know, Fedora wasn't that bad. It's amazing. That's that's what I've had. I've had to argue Mac Brown versus Fedora over the last 48 hours. So how about I just take the opportunity to make this point when it comes to North Carolina football. And it's a point that might actually bum out Tar Heel fans. But it it seems to be reality. You're not doing better than Mac Brown. Full stop. Whatever you think the alternative is, fire the coach, scapegoat, whatever. You're not doing better than Mac Brown. And his resume backs that up. The recruiting, both in the 90s and in the last five years, North Carolina is one of the top 10 to 12 recruiting schools in football right now. In terms of talent that they brought in since Mac has arrived, We haven't seen this level of recruiting since Butch Davis was cheating 15 years ago. And let's not forget, remember when Dave Doran was getting all the in-state kids when Fedora was here? All the in-state kids seemed to be going to NC State until Mac arrived. And it's funny, huh? 
Dave Doran wasn't getting those players anymore. Interesting how that worked. Here's another fun exercise. Think on the top of your head, active college football coaches that have won a national championship. Do you know, how many do you think you can name WD off the top of your head? Saban. There's one. Kirby. Kirby Smart, yeah. Who am I missing? Well, there's one in the ACC that's won a couple. Mac. Well, Mac hasn't won one in the ACC. Well, not in the ACC, but he's won one. I mean, Dabo. Oh, Dabo, yeah. Jimbo Fisher. Uh Uh-huh. Mac. That's the list. That's the list. There are 65, 70 power conference schools. That number seems to keep growing. Mac Brown is one of five active coaches in America that could say, I'm coaching right now in college football as a head coach. And I've won a national championship doing that job. One of five dudes that could say that. North Carolina, oh, we could do better than that. Now, here's the part that makes it especially true today. Realignment has not been a friend to Carolina and to ACC schools. Since Mac has taken the job, took the job in December of 2018, since that happened, North Carolina has become less appealing since Mac's arrival. And it's not because of North Carolina. It's because the SEC and the Big Ten have grown stronger. They've separated financially from the ACC, which means those schools can pay what North Carolina cannot, even though North Carolina can pay more than some and many in the ACC. That limits who you can get. So good luck. Who are you going to get that's better than Mac Brown on the market right now? A guy who right now can recruit top 10 to 12 recruiting classes to Chapel Hill at a place that's never won before, except when he was winning in the 90s. That is an active national championship winning coach, an active Hall of Fame coach. (laughs) And I get it. This is feeding the Carolina ceiling theory. That's not really that hard to buy into. The theory being that North Carolina has hit a ceiling. It's really, this is, it's damning. It's hard to accept. But think about it. If you can't win with this type of recruiting, with that head coach, with that quarterback, with that defensive coordinator, Gene Chizik, if it doesn't happen with those guys, and we're entering the first college football playoff ranking that's going to drop tomorrow, and North Carolina's not even going to be mentioned on it, not going to be in the top 25. Who are you going to find that's going to take you to this promised land of making North Carolina a contender? I'm done with the sleeping giant theory and things of that nature. I'm done with it. If you can't win with that quarterback, that coach, this recruiting class, that DC, North Carolina cannot do better than Mac Brown. Please spare me the Larry Fedora arguments today. It's the drive with Josh Graham, WSJS. The Carolina Panthers beat the Houston Texans. But that's just one game. Plenty else happened in the NFL yesterday that we need to recap. And to do that in the most efficient way before returning back to what the Panthers did at Bank of America Stadium, we attach letter grades to it in Graham's grades right now. Every week is a test for your favorite sports teams. We don't need no education. 
Who passed the test? If one of y'all says some silly name. Who dropped the ball? I don't know. Josh Graham has the answers. I think you're very condescending and a know-it-all. Time for Graham's Grades. A through F, the very good, the meh, the not so good. A lot for us to cover, so let's get to it. A. The A this week is the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow looks back. WD, our picks, and Graham's gambling went 7-2 and two this weekend. One of, the ones, up, one of the two we got wrong was going against Joe Burrow, and I knew it was probably going to be tough when I learned Sunday morning and saw the reports. Joe Burrow, not limited at all. Joe Burrow feels like he's 100%. And all I could think is, did I really just take Sam Darnold against <laughs> a healthy Joe Burrow? Yes. That's what happens. He did. Cincinnati going into San Francisco. Got that win. That has to feel pretty good. You want to talk about what a good plane ride feels like? That's a long one from Northern California to Cincinnati, and it was an enjoyable one if you're Cincinnati. B. Gotta put the Tennessee Titans here, man. I don't know what to do with this piece of information, but this is accurate. This is a true statement that I'm about to say. No rookie quarterback has had a better performance this year than Will Levis did yesterday against the Atlanta Falcons. He had four touchdown passes, no picks, and none of those TDs were within the 20-yard line, I don't think. You're talking about 46-yarder, a 26-yarder, a 30-yarder, slinging it all over the yard in those sweet Houston Oilers throwbacks. Will Levis looking very good in this game. Again, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to do with this stat right here. You want to know since the merger in 70, mid-60s, 70, the list of quarterbacks that had thrown four touchdown passes in their debut. How many is it? I believe the list is Fran Tarkadin, Marcus Mariota, Will Levis. I might be forgetting like a Hall of Fame quarterback. It's no more than four names that have done that before. Amazing. So we'll see what happens on WSJS Thursday night. The Titans will face the Steelers short week on the road in Pittsburgh. That might be a little tougher than beating the Atlanta Falcons at home, but impressive nonetheless. I hope he enjoyed some mayo in his coffee or a banana with the peel on it to celebrate today. See, I don't want to give the Jets their flowers in this, even though they won the game. I'm just going to say the Giants-Jets game. There's your C. Because, yes, you got two teams playing a close game that went to overtime in the MetLife Meadowland Stadium, whatever they're calling it. Oh, that's so exciting. 13 to 10. 10 points scored in the first quarter. None in the second. Seven in the third. Three in the fourth. And three in overtime. That's... That's how the scoring went down between the Jets and Giants. Tyrod Taylor got hurt. No word if the Chargers trainer 
was the one to hurt his ribs this time. Oh boy. You knew who do you know who came in for Tyrod Taylor since Daniel Jones has been down as well? Who's a I, no, who's a third string? <laughs> ACC legend Tommy DeVito. Aha! Go Orange, go Syracuse. Have a great day and go ACC. Two of seven for Tommy DeVito. It was Tommy DeVito versus Zach Wilson. So even though the game went to overtime and it's New York facing New York, woof. D. This is the first time ever that a team winning ends up in the D or F category. The Minnesota Vikings a D. Somehow... Kirk Cousins going down with an Achilles tear is worse in a win than if it were a loss because now the Vikings have they they've beaten they've won 4 of their last 5 games after starting 0 and 3 and now Kirk Cousins is going to go down like your season's done toasted fried why couldn't Kirk Cousins have tore his Achilles in Charlotte when they were 0-3 and, and we could get Drake May and get Caleb Williams? You waited until we've won four out of five to go down? That sucks because now, okay, your season's going to go in the tank. Can it go in the tank enough for you to get your guy at quarterback? I don't know. That's, that's a double whammy. That's a twofer. Which, I could say that word right. Might have to give Ryan Tannehill a call. Will Levis keeps it up. Well, you've got... you got a few minutes here. you got 23 hours, yeah. 18 minutes, and 32 seconds to get that one done. There you go. Make the call. The Vikings, they win, but they lose Kirk Cousins. That's a day. F. Only one team this could be. Kansas City. Yeah. <laughs> You didn't score a touchdown in this game? You lost by double digits to this Broncos team? That's what you did. Who's the second best team in the NFL right now? The f- if we accept that the Eagles are number one, who's the second best team? Are you going to say it's Kansas City with their lack of weapons other than Travis Kelsey? Or Maybe. would you go my, the Miami Dolphins beating the Patriots by two touchdowns? Or the Ravens? Maybe ask me at this time next week because in Frankfurt, Sunday morning, the Chiefs face the Miami Dolphins. Or the Ravens. Or the Bengals. No. Come on, man. You don't think? One game you're going to do this? It's not one game. They've, they've been getting it together for a little while now. Have they? Yeah. What's their record? Let's have a little look here. What are they? Five and three? What's their record? They're four and three, and you're doing this. They're. I'm talking about how they looked yesterday. We're talking about the second best team in the NFL. You're gonna go four and three, Cincinnati. Get out of here with this. I need more sample of Will Levis, and you don't need more sample of Cincinnati. No, because they've been to a Super Bowl in the also, last couple of years. That's fine. And, and a divisional... Or well, Tennessee's it? been to an AFC championship game in the last few years. The They haven't beaten anybody. <laughs> Other they than, just beat the Niners. With Sam Darnold at quarterback. 
Brock Purdy was in there. I mean, the Browns and the Vikings just polished off the Niners last they checked well, the last the, two weeks, too. The Niners got some problems. We'll yeah, say that. That's what but I'm saying. But you so got to say the Bengals I'm, are looking. They're 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 coming. I, I, I had him as an A in this segment. So the, well, I don't know what the rebuttal is then. Second best team in the NFL. A team that went to the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago. You they, lo- you okay? Let's make the Rams second in the NFL because they well, lo- they won that Super Bowl. Let's eh. do that by their by Rams your logic. Little, the Rams are a little different now. Okay, what I'm saying is, I just made the Bengals an A because they looked like themselves for the first time this year. First time this year they looked like themselves. Don't tell me barely surviving in a 17-13 game. They scored 17 in that game. They have not. Joe Burrow has not looked himself this entire year. And they've still been winning. On four and three. One more win than a loss. Well, they've won their last three. Your unreasonable love for the Bengals. It's not I can't unreasonable. Do it. I just I think they're good. I know. I don't think they're bad. <laughs> We're just talking about are you the second best team in the sport? You're four and three. Well, I mean we you just look said it's a toss-up. It's a toss-up. But they're not in that toss-up. Give it a look. Because teams that have been awesome the entire year are in that conversation. Listen, they got the Bills next week. If they handle the bills, I think we could have the conversation. <laughs> How was babysitting Willow the dog oh, it was during so the great. Panthers game yesterday? You were babysitting wi- dog was. sitting. We had a little play date there. As I was at Bank of America Stadium. That's right. Well, for starters, you know, I, Sarah Bradford gave me very detailed instructions. You know, take Willow out. You know, let her go to the bathroom when you first get there. So that's what I did. And I put Willow on the leash, and we went outside, and she was supposed to be using the bathroom, and instead, she just curled up in a ball at my feet and just sunbathed. She loves sunbathing. And we walked around a little bit more, and then she just started, like, trying to, like, jump up on my leg. Like, she had no intention to go to the bathroom. Good for her. So then, we were hanging out, and I was watching the Panther game, and, you know, I was doing going through my push-up routine I like to do sometimes, and... During the Panthers game? At multitasking. What is this routine? Well, I just go through like a different set, like sets of 20 push-ups, you know, get my workout in. How many sets? <sighs> Until I get to 100, so five. Okay. Yeah, I do that. And I noticed like the first set of 20, I'm like, like Willow's just chilling over there across the, the, the way there. Sure. And I start, I get to like eight push-ups and she, she starts running my way. And she, I'm, I'm still going, and she starts to, like, jump on me and, like, lick my face while I'm doing push-ups. This might reveal my workout regimen or lack thereof in my house. It's probably the first time Willow's seen somebody do a push-up. <laughs> in fact, I feel pretty comfortable saying that. I'm a Peloton guy. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a go-for-walk guy. Not doing a lot of push-ups. Every time I started doing them, she'd come running back over and, like, jump on me. It was weird. I bet you I could drop down and do 25 push-ups. Oh, Oh, but this segment's run a bit long. (laughs) Instead of just talking, why don't you listen? That's why you have people call in. Listen for a minute. Oh, welcome back to the Happy Circle. The Drive with Josh Graham.
Big college basketball news that we need to get to in just a bit. Also, Panthers locker room sound after their first win of the year. We'll get to 15 minutes from now. Dave Doran created the dumbest local controversy of the year this weekend when he fired off at Steve Smith after beating the Clemson Tigers Saturday afternoon. WD was at that game. There's always drama on the CW. Three consecutive weeks now on the C-Dub, a team that is more than a touchdown underdog wins the game. You had the Pittsburgh upset of Louisville, followed by Virginia upsetting North Carolina and NC State, 10-point underdogs beating the Clemson Tigers. I haven't checked to see which game is on the CW this coming weekend, but it was announced that NC State Wake Forest the following week in Winston-Salem is going to be a 2 o'clock CW game. As that game's closing out, Dave Doran was being interviewed and rather than doing the inspired how big this is for our program, he decided to go after perhaps the most popular professional athlete in this state's history talking about Agent 89, here he was after the Clemson win. Where does that faith come from? What do you see in that locker room on a day-to-day basis? Heart, spirit, love, perseverance, grit, all the stuff our world needs. Uh, Tell Steve Smith in the studio, this ain't a basketball school. He can kiss my Whoa. He can kiss your what? This is very Ryan Day-like. Ryan Day getting super mad. (laughs) After Can we make a wrestling promo out of the this? The best win of the year that he had. It essentially is a wrestling yeah. promo. Don't really have to edit it all that much. And then in the post game, when he cooled down a little bit, Dave Doran still wanted some. He doubled down on it. For a guy that lives in Charlotte, he clearly has got his head faced west to Utah all the time, which, you know, I understand. And no disrespect to him, but he disrespected our program. And uh, I'm not going to let people do that. These kids have worked their butt off. Um, we've won a lot of football games here and in my tenure, I think we're second or third in the ACC and wins in football. So, you know, he can take that and put it where it belongs, but this is not a basketball school. This is a great, great school that has great sports and football is one of them. And, uh, so yeah, if he wants to come see me, we can talk about that, but you know, do your homework before you start talking. Sh- I agree. <laughs> Before you start talking bleep, you need to do your homework. And the reason why I play those things for you before you actually heard what Steve Smith said is because that's the order of events I heard it. I heard those things that Dave said, and I thought, oh my goodness, did Smitty get loose again? Start calling NC State Names? He called them a basketball school? Is this Jerry Judy 2.0? Well, just like Ryan Day, Doran's anger is so dumb, and in this case, completely unnecessary. Here was Steve Smith making picks as Utah's guest picker on college game day Saturday morning. Look, Clemson has been struggling. They're not the the Clemson we've loved over the years. But NC State, unfortunately, they're waiting for basketball to start. That's it. 
an eight second clip. That's it. Herb Street agreed with that, by the way. No shots at Herb Street, though. That's what Smitty said. He didn't say it was a basketball school. Part of me wonders this. These are two questions I wish I had the answer to today that if answered truthfully, I bet you something more interesting is lying at the surface. Number one, did Steve Smith think he was actually talking about North Carolina? Rather than talking about the Wolfpack, did he think he was talking about the Tar Heels and mix that up? That's number one. Number two, when it comes to Dave Doran, did he actually hear what Smitty said getting ready for a game, or did he hear secondhand from a staffer or somebody that Steve Smith called you a basketball school on college game day? Did did Doran actually hear what Smitty said, or was this a game of telephone that Smitty says, oh, they're just waiting for basketball to start, and it turns into, Puh, football? Oh, do they even play football in Raleigh? Oh, it's a basketball school. Sounds like somebody from the Renaissance Festival. Hey, the Renaissance Festival in <laughs> Huntersville. Ra- Raleigh. Hey, come on down. If I had to guess. Let's joust. <laughs> if I had to lean to one or the other, I'd probably say somebody said, hey, guess what I heard on game day today? You know. Right. That, that's prob- that could be it. If you're playing at 2 o'clock, I doubt, because they make their picks at the end of that show. So this is happening literally two hours before kickoff. I don't think Dave Doran's watching college game day. Yeah, and I was wondering the same thing, too. It's like, did you have time to look at this? You were there. When did you learn about what Doran said? A- after the game. Well, well yeah, obviously he said after it after the, ga- the game. After the game, but like... Uh, how many minutes until it it gets to where you're at at Carter Finley Stadium that Doran said these things? Uh, I I saw it tweeted as I was walking to my car. Okay. Yeah. That's the so pretty quick. I, but the reason why this might be funnier than Day. See, Ryan Day reacted to Lou Holtz saying something to a bad Lou Holtz impersonator on Pat McAfee's show that was a full bit. That's. That's what he decided to get angry at. Dave Doran got angry at Steve Smith, not even saying that it was a basketball school. It's just that they were getting excited about basketball. But they're apparently good now. I was at the Panther game yesterday, and Smitty was there and because Julius Peppers and Musa Muhammad were being honored. Trayvon Miles, my friend from Channel 11 in Raleigh, apparently talked to Smitty, and Smitty said that he had spoken to Dave Doran already, and Doran invited him to a future game. That would be fun if he shows up at the Miami game this weekend or shows up to the State Carolina game at the end of the year. That would be pretty good. But the thing that's kind of a bummer about all this is it takes away what NC State did in the game. All anyone wants to talk about is Doran firing off at Steve Smith and not wanting to talk about Peyton Wilson's pick six and that great win that the Wolfpack enjoyed. Another thing that took away from it was Gary Hahn, our buddy from the NC State Sports Network, deciding that he's going to retire after the football and basketball season. Let's go to the sidelines. Tony Haynes. Didn't know if you were ready to go on that. Are we going to go to the phones very quickly here? Yeah, let's go to Kevin and Winston. Hey, Kevin, what do you have? Hey, 
This is just for Dave Dorn. I'm a Carolina fan. I really don't care about what Steve Smith says. I think he took it. I think he took it too hard. I think he needs to concentrate on his coaching and not worry about what somebody says as a guest game picker. But I do have news for him. NC State is not a football school and it's not a basketball school. I will put it as a baseball school. Baseball That's school. My take on that. All right, there you go. Speaking of that, I was in an eleva- elevator with. Uh, I would say women's basketball school, for sure. Maybe yeah. wrestling school, NC State. Yeah. Engineering school. Mm-hmm. No, I was, I was going. What were you going to tell me before I interrupted you? <laughs> I was in the elevator with uh, Elliot Avent. Oh. Yeah. Baseball school. Yeah. Find somebody who loves NC State more than that guy does. You will not. That basketball news is this. You know who is ready for basketball season? Duke. Yeah. 23 nothing loss against Louisville. Riley Leonard played in the game and lost 23 to nothing. Looks like Louisville's right in line to play in the ACC championship game against Florida State. Boy, did FSU look good in Winston-Salem this weekend. But Duke today landed the number one player in the country for 2024. A kid that was in the 2025 class and the number two player in that class reclassifies to 2024 and he's the number one player. Apparently the 2024 class not as strong as 25. Cooper Flag, the newest Duke Blue Devil commit. One week from now, their season is going to begin. You can listen to Duke Football and Basketball on WSJS. Our next guest would be upset if I didn't bring up at some point during today's show that App State, back in the win column, there were moments it got a little iffy against Southern Miss, but... App State, a winner against the Golden Eagles up on the mountain in Boone. A proud graduate of Appalachian State University who is a pro football Hall of Fame voter and also writes for Panthers.com is our friend Darren Gant. Speaking of Hall of Fame slash Hall of Honor, what was the highlight of the Panthers Hall of Honor weekend where all the legends were in town, including obviously the most recent inductees yesterday, Musa Muhammad and Julius Peppers. You know, a lot of cool stories. I mean, anytime you get a bunch of old head football players together, that's what you're going to get. They start telling them on each other and about each other and to each other. And it was a good time. The dinner Saturday night um, was sensational. I mean, it was just good stories Musin Muhammad talked about uh, kind of the way he and Steve Smith's careers were intertwined. There's no way of separating those two. And Moose talked about how he used to get Don Toner, the equipment manager, to take him to the visitor's locker room during the offseason and shoot balls out of the jugs machine at him so he could still catch balls during the winter. And he said Steve found out about it one day and then started tagging along. And then he went to go get Don Toner one day. And somebody said, oh, he's gone. Steve took him to the locker room. You know, so Steve sort of adopted and then usurped Moose's thing. And Moose is like, hey, I'm trying to get in here and catch balls. Get out of my way, kid. You know, I mean, and that was just kind of an example of how those two, there was always a push-pull dynamic between those. With Julius, I was struck by how comfortable he was being at home. Uh, He had always said, when I talked to him back in the summer, 
uh, when he was informed of this honor and we did some stuff back in July, he said back in the summer, you know, the reasons I left didn't have anything to do with football, didn't have anything to do with three, four, four, three, any of that kind of stuff that he talked about at the time. He said, I just need to get out. It, it was all about me needing to see something different, be in a different place. And, you know, he was very comfortable with that. But Saturday night, as part of his talk, he's, he started talking about the reconciliation he experienced with Jerry Richardson. He said they butted heads pretty good in 2010 when he was leaving for Chicago and the actually beginning in 09 um, when he was trying to work his way out and they wouldn't let him. And he said, you know, there was a reconciliation at a certain point. And he said, and, and I was happy to come back and probably to a place I never should have left which was actually, if you think about it in the scope of his career, a reasonably startling admission uh, because he had held on for so long about, you know, I was glad I left and I needed to leave and all that. But in hindsight, he was like, man, I would have probably been okay staying here forever. So it was just a, just a really neat uh, weekend. And it's always cool when you see the way people react to him. Uh, players who had never known them as players on the field, because frankly, a lot of cats on this roster were born in the 2000s and didn't really have uh, a clear vision. I mean, Bryce know, knew of Julius Peppers, but he was born in 2001 in California. So he didn't have access to a lot of pep tape, even ladder pep. So um, I, I just thought it was neat seeing the reactions because there's a genuine awe, especially with Julius partially because he's so incredibly large. And, you know, there were times I thought Scott Fitter was going to try to hand him a helmet this weekend, but he, he was just so gracious and enjoyed being part of it all. And, you know, I think it's a good thing for the organization having those two guys around. When Luke Keekley walks by and he was like, dang, look at Pep. You know, that's Luke Keekley saying that. He's the guy that people <laughs> say, dang, look at Luke Keekley. Yeah, Darren Gant with us here as i mentioned you're a pro football hall of fame voter in terms of defensive players is there as close to a lock for first ballot hall of famer as julius peppers seems to be if you're just talking about that side of the ball yeah one would think i mean in my opinion and i am but one of 50 in my opinion julius is Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White level. I mean, he was a two-time all-decade pick. And, you know, I had a long conversation with Jim Porter, the president of the hall, and then, you know, was talking to Dave Tepper about it on the sidelines. And Dave was asking me effectively, this is easy, right? Everybody understands this, right? Was kind of the the point Dave was trying to make. And I, and I hope it is that easy. I think it should be. I mean, Julia's fourth on the all-time sack list two-time all-decade player. And unless you're a kicker or a punter, if you're a two-time all-decade player, you're pretty much a Hall of Famer. Because if you're that good for that long, there's a reason it's an easy call. To hold you up real quick, one of the things I need to give you guys a lot of credit for, I don't know who produced it, but the video that was 20 minutes long that you guys put out for Peppers last week, and you also did one for Moose, I've always heard people like you, and I think you've told me this before because you were probably there, if I had to guess. They, they, there's the play where he had the pick in Denver, and then he yep. ran out of gas at the goal line. Oh, how does Peppers run out of gas? And I've always heard people tell the story, oh, but you didn't see the play that happened before that, where yeah, he tracked down was- Plummer at the goal line, and that was literally the play that happened before. I just kind of heard it as like folklore and Peppers does this as a like a Paul Bunyan like figure where you yeah. hear these things he did. The fact you guys actually showed that video that 
showed yeah. the play before. That's all I would do if I were in your position. Just show those two plays. Right. It's like, here's what this guy is capable. And yes, that was me because that's one of my favorite Julia's stories because as he became folklore, other coaches would say, yeah, but there's the time when. Or what about the day when he, you know, and that's all you've really got to do to get people talking about Julius is tell me, tell me a story about the time he did the thing and then watch him go. And that play, I mean, again, it's, it's third and goal from the one and Jake Plummer, a mobile quarterbacks rolling bootlegging to his right, just trying to get to the pylon. And Julius comes from the backside of the play and just snatches him back. It's people aren't supposed the laws of physics don't work like that, that you're supposed to be able to go from way over here to way over there sooner than an, a, a reasonably athletic guy can cover this much ground. I was thinking about this yesterday. Obviously, 15 to 13 against the Texans. If you're looking at it from afar, you might not think it's that big of a deal. Good job. You won a game. But when you think about it, next week is going to mark the five year anniversary of the TJ Watt hit on Cam Newton. And I started mm-hmm. to think in my head. How many wins were more significant given the circumstances that surrounded them than the win that we just saw yesterday? And I thought about, okay, Brady keeping him out of the end zone last year for Wilkes' first win. I thought about um, the Cam Newton coming back in Arizona, the on back in the end zone. But those are the only two that I might put over the significance of having Moose and Peppers back, having Stroud face Bryce. People might say it doesn't matter, but it seemed like to me that that was a very big deal, and the celebration on the sideline, I think, yeah. justified it too. How big are you willing to say that was? Well, here's the thing. The other game I would lump in that is Detroit last December when it was cold as hell, and they go for 570 yards, 320 of them on the ground. It was just blunt force trauma football in blunt force trauma weather. Uh, that was kind of the Steve Wilkes personality game. So uh, that's – I mean, listen – is one in six an impressive accomplishment? It is not. Is that a lot better than being 0 and 7? It very much is. Because if you're 0 and 7 coming out of the bye, then it's turned into a grease fire. Then you're wondering when people are going to get fired. Then you're wondering when big changes are getting made. Then you're wondering if they're trading Brian Burns at the deadline for pennies on the dollar. Um, that would have just created more stuff. Now, I mean, I, I believed that I. I was bold enough to say this prior to them getting a win, but I truly believe they've got the people here in terms of the staff to fix this thing and to get this on a a stable course. I I believe Frank Reich's gift is stable and normal and, you know, almost fatherly in a way. And now that he's not down in the weeds of calling plays, he talked today about you know, hey, there were things during that game that I noticed that, okay, if I'm calling plays, I don't see that because I'm over here talking to Bryce and Thomas or different things. I I think having the opportunity to kind of run the whole show is going to be good for the Panthers and good for Frank, honestly, because it's almost like you get to a certain point in your career and you don't need to be the nuts and bolts guy. It's okay to oversee. It's okay to administer. It's okay to mentor rather than do all the work yourself because you're the one who knows how to do it best. When do we start to have the conversation about both Icky and Miles Sanders? What was invested into those players and what the return (laughs) is right now? Well, I think two different conversations because we've seen Icky be good here. Uh, That's not new. I mean, last year was a good year for Icky Okwanu. It's a different offense that doesn't necessarily play to his strengths the way last year's did, 
But I think because we've seen that tape and, you know, ultimately on on all questions about Icky, my default position has always been I'm going to give James Camp the benefit of the doubt. He's turned far less players than Icky Aquanu into pro bowlers in his career. So if anybody's going to get a guy right, it's that guy. Uh, Miles Sanders is a different one. And I, I think to expand it a little bit, they spend a decent amount of money, not huge money, not premium money. More than so anybody I, else. Certainly not Saquon Barkley type money or Josh Jacobs type money. Right. On, free on agent, my, free agent running back more than but, anybody else. But yeah. Hayden Hurst was, also goes into that bundle because those were two guys you brought in specifically to make Bryce's life easier. Neither one of them is right now. I mean, they were both effectively replaced on the field by Chuba Hubbard and Tommy Trimble. So I, I think when you look at that, those are the more concerning elements to me. I think getting Austin Corbett back, stopping that revolving door at left guard for the moment, let Calvin Throckmorton, who's not a world beater, but he's a good, solid, smart veteran guy who ought to be able to settle Icky down better than somebody different every week or a rookie next to him. I think that gives them the opportunity to buy him a little time. Miles is a different thing. They got to they gotta kind of get Miles in out of the rain for a second because nothing's going right. He almost had a game-clinching pass defensed. Uh, on that fourth and two play to Adam Thielen just by being in the wrong spot. I mean, there's no – as nice as people try to be and no coach wants to throw a player under the bus in a press conference, it's kind of hard to argue with that one. Miles was where he was not supposed to be. He <laughs> sort of got lost on that route. Yeah. And and Frank had as much as acknowledged that after – you know, Thielen was funny in the post game yesterday. He was like, well, I could have done a better job of communicating. What are you communicating? Get the hell out of my way. Yeah, Bryce – Bryce yesterday, I think, uh, how surprised, I, I think I asked, I was like, how surprised were you to see Miles there? He's like, um, yeah, well, you know, we just want to execute. and uh, uh, Yeah, you know, it, again, at, at that point, you know, we're. Don't you get what you just yeah. to, he's just not supposed to be there. What's That's, the problem when any football answer begins with the old Seinfeld? <laughs> Darren Gant, um, Mountaineers man, got it done on Saturday. Who believes in the Mountaineers more than me? <laughs> Not uh, you. Is that Nixon bowling in the background? It is Nixon bowling in the background. That's one of my prized possessions here in my office. Where'd you get it? Camp Manor. That, uh, I don't know. The internet is a strange and unusual place. This poster is from a Lebowski fest. Yes. Because if you remember the big Lebowski, I was this about is to say. what Jeff had hanging over the bar in his luxurious estate. WD, so, have you seen the big Lebowski? Well... He's watching the Buckets of Fun comedy tonight, The Sixth Sense. <laughs> He's never seen that before. I don't before. think it's a comedy. No. Wow. I don't. There he goes. <laughs> Spoiler alert. No, that's it. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan, he, where he's going to be introduced to him tonight. He didn't know who that was until about two hours ago. That's Woo! right. There well, I'm all right with that. I don't really get down with Halloween either, so not my not my gig. Darren Gant, let's, uh, let's talk about going to a show sometime soon. Let's try to figure okay. that one out. I think there's an opportunity. Let's make sure the Colts and Panthers don't go to overtime next week, and we might sneak that in sooner rather than later. That's what I'm saying. All right, there he goes. Darren Gant, thanks for the time, buddy. See you, boy.